Uh, it is very unpleasant. <laughs> it's very <laughs> unpleasant. It immediately like dries out your mouth. Like SpongeBob Silica- eating Kelpo. What? So silica sand in your mouth, it like immediately dries it out. Yeah, like as soon as it like touches your like lip, it just like dries. It's really weird. It's a very strange sensation. I do not recommend it. Yuck. Are you record? Were you recording? Are you currently recording? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Oh boy. Now people know that I am a fucking <laughs> idiot. <laughs> we well, can edit it out. They'll figure that out later on. I anyway. won't. Uh oh. It's staying in. Spaghettios. <clears throat> that was just a joke, a big a goof I do. That's just a little goof story. I also ate uh, cyanide. Also, <laughs> now you don't cherry know. pits. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Heebie Jeebies, a silly podcast about not so silly stuff. Uh, where we explore the mysterious, the bizarre, <gasps> and the downright spooky. Woo! The macabre. Yeah. The macabre. Oh, yeah, that too. We do that also. I'm Kai. I'm Bree. I'm Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> Bree. 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 <laughs> Sorry so, if that was loud. So uh, this is part two of our episode series i guess on the cecil hotel so spooky bum, bum. i'm just gonna put a disclaimer out there as we do with every episode starting with uh the last one mm-hmm. uh, this episode touches on topics of mental health assault suicide and murder if these themes make you uncomfortable listener discretion may be advised what does that mean what does that mean? That list. What is that? What it's is advi- that? I'm advising you to if you don't don't listen if you don't want to turn it off now. <laughs> it is at your discretion, <laughs> listener beware. You're in for a scare. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if we hadn't said that, like people would be would be f- like obligated to complete the episode after starting it. If you oh, don't yeah, say sure. listener discretion advised, right. um, it basically um, their their guard is down if you don't say that, and they're right. just well, like, oh, it's, it's I'm literally have a good time. giving them the legal right to turn it off. Um, if Otherwise, you don't they, say yeah, that, they have to complete the episode. They're contractually obligated. Yeah, with their ears. Yeah. Is that so, like an FCC thing? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, yeah, and the FCC fines are like no joke. So. So we just released you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Consider us generous hosts. <laughs> you can send what you would have paid in those fines to our house, and I will give you the address nope. right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the Cecil Hotel was a notorious building in Los Angeles, haunted by death with a long history of suicides, violence, and as we left off, apparently a favorite vacation spot for serial killers. I cannot wait Woo-hoo. to find out who it was. I have been li- I've been literally holding my breath this entire it's been it's been at least a couple of weeks I think <laughs> maybe no it's only been a week right week it's and a half two weeks yeah you're dead now I'm not, I died you're Ooh. one of the victims of the Cecil oh okay. shit according to kind their of. <laughs> yeah you're right shit they'll take anybody yeah they will okay so uh, last we covered we left off on uh, it being a spot where Richard Ramirez aka the Night Stalker uh, would spend only. his time. Uh, during his entire L.A. onslaught, 
But he would not be the last serial killer to call the Cecil home, right? <laughs> Six years after Ramirez had been caught and sentenced to death, a 41-year-old Austrian crime journalist would check into the Cecil Hotel in 1991. He was <gasps> in Los Angeles at the time. What? That's your birthday? That's the year all of us were born. 91, that's my birthday. <laughs> that whole year we celebrate. Today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this journalist was in Los Angeles at the time for a five-week stay to write an article on American perceptions of prostitution. And during his five-week stay, would sometimes return to the Cecil after collecting valuable input from the local police. Okay. Yeah, those local <laughs> police, I'm sure they had a lot to say. I'm sure that they had some I input. wonder if they cleaned it up by 91, you know? They were like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe we will go down to fucking Skid Row and solve some crime the street (laughs) i wonder if they would try to after finding out that like Mm -hmm. that That the night stalker had been staying there like under their noses like oh we look really dumb well they at least went into the area after that uh because they extended him the courtesy of like ride-alongs oh yeah and then how many people did he kill (laughs) well it just so happens in Austria, this journalist uh, was something of a celebrity, so that's why they gave him the ride-alongs. But he was a celebrity. Can you guess why? Was oh, he a bad? Was uh, he, he a bad bad boy? He is a bad boy. Oh God! <laughs> famous for being a bad boy. He's a famous, famous bad boy. Though he may have been in the U.S. on reporting business, he was also an accomplished writer and social commentator in other areas, such as critically acclaimed poetry, short stories, children's books that were read over Austrian radio writing plays, and even released a best-selling autobiography that was later adapted into a film in 1990. This book in particular was even required reading in some schools and highlighted the story that would be his initial claim to fame, his own murder of an 18-year-old German girl in 1974. What? This man's name was Jack Unterweger, a.k.a. the Vienna Strangler. Mm, okay. <laughs> Wait, so he, he wrote a novel, he in presented jail? it... As did he present it as like a fake story or no? Oh, autobiography, um, about <laughs> his on. early life and why he was driven to murder. Oh, he also wrote children's books. Mm-hmm. What were they about? I don't know. I couldn't find any of them because I mean, a- after uh, what transpired at the Cecil, uh, they stopped publishing his books. Dang, surprising. <laughs> oh. Oh, get some for my nephew, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could find them. I had them yeah. there. That'd be cool. Have you checked the local library? We don't know. They would probably be in Austrian oh. or whatever they speak. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> just a year prior to his visit, Unterweger had just been released from prison on parole in May of 1990 after serving only 15 years of what had originally been a life sentence, the minimum amount of jail time allowed in Austria for such a conviction. So yeah, he got <laughs> convicted to life and uh, apparently swayed the public so much with his writing capabilities that he got out in 15 years. What Damn. the actual fuck? So did he only kill the one girl in Austria? For his conviction, as far as we, as far as they knew, yeah, as far as they know, that's what that's the one that he was convicted for. Okay, so so he only took one entire human life and then wrote some good books, and people were like, "Yeah, it's okay, yeah, it's fine." They they were like, "You know, all of Stephen King's books are true stories about his life, right?" What What the fuck? He's just so good at writing. He's just really good at writing, so we just let him keep doing his weird shit. Stephen King looks like a who. Good yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he absolutely true. does. 
So, after being incarcerated in 1976 at the age of 25 for the brutal strangling of Margaret Schaefer, the largely uneducated man became part of an Austrian rehabilitation program known as resocialization, in which criminals are nurtured with the redemptive power of the arts to become a contributing men- member of society. I mean, that's a pretty cool, like, that's cool that they tried to do that. Yeah, that's very, very cool. I mean... I'm <clears> guessing <throat> in his case it didn't quite work. How Did you find how old he was when that when he, like, killed the girl? Was he He was uh, around also? 25. Okay. So it was during that time that he was in that program that he learned proper literacy and developed his writing skills. He proved himself to be a creative and determined writer, delving deep into his own endeavors until in 1983, his autobiography, Fegefier oder die Race in... Zuktas Purgatory or the Trip to Jail, Report of a Guilty Man, mm-hmm. <laughs> was published. Probably sounds better. In, in the, uh, <laughs> you want, you want to give language. it a try? No, no, not really. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, like, it probably makes a little bit more sense, sense. in the native language. It's let literally me, the entire title. Let is me read purg- the. <laughs> <laughs> so the actual <laughs> Purgatory or the Trip to Jail. Report of a guilty man. Yep. <laughs> it's the whole title. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it rolls off the tongue in whatever language that is. Man, we're dumb. <laughs> is it like, is that Austrian or is it like German? Do they speak German in Austria? I think it might be German. Let's go to the old internet. All right. Let's sell this we're going to, listen, it's okay to be really, really dumb like us. Yeah. As long as you understand that you're dumb and you go to Google and you ask him. You correct, you're dumb. You say, hey, Siri, search the internet for big boobs. You're trying to look up the, the language they speak in Austria, and you ended up with boobs. It's always what happens. <laughs> Every time you open your phone. Every time. Uh, German. Fuck. Now we sound really, really dumb. Really dumb. The Aww. official language. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Austrian. <laughs> yeah, the official German. language is German. Uh, is right. Austrian a language? Austrian German is a language. All right, okay. I'll take it. <laughs> we were almost there. I will accept this. <laughs> I will like, take like, my C plus and like I will leave. Canadian French sure. is different than like France French. Mexican that's Spanish. What they, and that's what they call it. <laughs> well, I, have a Fra- I speak French French. Yeah. French fries. All right. Mm-hmm. So it was from the springboard of his autobiography that more of his writing found an audience and gained respect until a committed fan base petitioned and succeeded to gain him an early release as a reformed man. So that is the deal behind that. They thought because he could write books, he was a reformed man. Yeah. I mean, I, I get mean, it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. It's a very nice idea. And mm-hmm. like, it's, it's really cool that they tried to do that. It's just like hard to, <laughs> can, it's hard to tell that a, there should be former, more parameters. Right. Like a former murderer is uh, better because he hasn't been murdering while in jail. Yeah. Like, like maybe you could like let out a drug dealer or somebody that hasn't taken a human life for that program. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like Listen, we all did crazy shit when we were 25, right? Like <laughs> strangled a girl. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. Which is literally what they were saying. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it was a one-time thing. Everybody makes mistakes. You get on out of here, you little know, ah, you you so, goofball. Immediately upon his release, Jack was already a celebrity that had charmed the masses with his eloquence, wit, and audacious fashion sense. 
Ooh. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I think one of his first TV performances, he wore an all-white suit with a single red flower. I'm assuming to show how pure he was. That's beautiful. Sure. Uh, just two weeks after spending 15 years in prison, he had been invited to speak on a renowned Austrian talk show to discuss penal reform, winning over fans with both his presentation alongside his captivating message of compassion for prisoners. Which, I mean, I watched the interview. Uh, he is pretty... Uh, he's a charming dude, which sucks. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sociopaths I mean, often are. Yeah. yeah. And he, he seemed very passionate about what he was talking about. And uh, his message was nice. Yeah. I definitely really dig that. And it's a shame that he... He went, was the one saying it. <laughs> that he was the one saying it. That like went on to continue to be a problem, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Because like that would have been like really powerful and awesome if he did actually never murder anybody ever again. If he stopped being a bad boy. If he could stop just, if he could just stop being bad. (laughs) His fame was also attributed to the feature film that had been made about his life based on his autobiography of the same name. Fegfuhr. Fegfuhr. The director, Will Hengsler, uh, recalls having clashing creative differences with Unterweger over his portrayal of the film. Uh, Jack was adamant about wanting to be portrayed as the movie's protagonist, but Hengsler states... This was not a man who could be portrayed as a hero. In reality, this would not be a type of hero you could identify with. Uh. <laughs> I mean, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not you, but... <laughs> he wanted to be the drama. hero in a movie about himself murdering somebody. <laughs> very, it's very heroic. <laughs> he's a victim, okay, in his That's eyes? That's a pretty massive red flag that he's maybe not as better as you thought. Yeah. Uh, it was a directorial decision that would prove chillingly accurate. For amidst the onslaught of praise that uh, the convicted murderer was basking in, prostitutes were suddenly being found dead around Vienna and the surrounding cities. Mm. <laughs> All had been killed in a similar manner as the initial first woman, Margaret. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Curious. Hmm. <laughs> Shortly after we let him out. The cops were scratching their head about it, too. Like, uh, I imagine them literally. <laughs> oh, don't, what? Well, I don't know. The, okay, so the women had been assaulted, viciously strangled with their own undergarments, and their bodies were left to be found in humiliating, humiliating poses in forested areas. The body count had reached eight by the time Unterweger went to travel to Los Angeles for his article. Dur- how, how was this guy not, like, a suspect? I don't like I, it. They're just like, no, he would, no way. he wouldn't kill another person in the exact same way. Or like eight other people in the exact same way, and in certainly the city that he's, he's reformed. In. He wrote a book. He wears white suits. What the um. actual fuck? And and peep this: the murder stopped when he was in L.A. That's weird as shit. Wow, that's a coincidence. <laughs> clearly, clearly must be some strange. <laughs> <laughs> See, if he was smart, he would have had somebody else strangling ladies for him while right. he was out in L.A. Have a good cover him off the I scent. D- I can't <laughs> imagine why they wouldn't at least talk to him. Like, even if they truly didn't believe it was him, mm-hmm. like, do you know of anybody that would like... <laughs> hey, Jack. <laughs> Come mm. here. Get... Hey, what's up? Over like a Like, an interrogation. <laughs> hey, we were no. just wondering, like, do you know, has anybody, like, anybody been talking about strangling ladies or whatever around here? Or... Do you got any other strangling buddies? Like, because it was very doing? similar to the way you strangled. I thought maybe you would have an idea. Maybe talk to somebody. <laughs> No, that's no, cool. Hey, you want to come over for dinner later? My wife and kids. And <laughs> we would love to read your book out loud. They would love to meet you. Uh, well, to be fair, he was from one uh, detective. Uh, he was a retired detective. 
he had sort of pushed for surveillance. Like he had kept pushing the cops. He never once believed that this guy was reformed. Well, I'm glad that a Guess single he person. Right. <laughs> he was a smarty pants. So uh, when he went to the Cecil, when he was in LA, it was during these uh, next five weeks that in the summer of 1991, Unterberger would solidify his stance as an international killer. Under the guise of a crime reporter, he would be able to find the prime areas that sex workers frequented. The LAPD ex- extended him the courtesy of ride-alongs, which, unbeknownst to them, he had taken full advantage of. This knowledge gave him a plethora of targets to choose from and exactly uh, where to find them. <laughs> man, this guy's got a leg on their face, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, it does. I mean, how... No, Listen. I don't know if they knew the history of him or not. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, mm-hmm. is like maybe, you know, they heard that he's just like, he's an author. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, yeah. he's a famous author. Or <laughs> I mean, I really doubt that especially American cops would give a shit. Oh, about, yeah. No. yeah. Right. I, don't, I don't care to look this guy up. I was going to say, like, Americans are not known for their knowledge of anything Anybody. outside of America. Yeah. <laughs> so Or a lot of stuff inside of America, really. Yeah, yeah honestly. They definitely... Definitely like, oh, this guy wrote a book and it turned into a movie. Great. Like, mm-hmm. that's probably all that they heard. Yeah. Also, it just really sucks for them because he also had the audacity to request police interviews, specifically questioning them on insight towards catching killers. Jesus so. Christ. <laughs> like, it, it wasn't the best way for me to get away with murder. Uh, I mean, I got a buddy. See? <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. So during his stay... Three more Los Angeles prostitutes. I will say them their names because I think it's important not to focus on just the killer. Shannon Exley was 35. Irene Rodriguez was 33. And Peggy Jean Booth was 26. Uh, they would all be killed in the same degrading way, having been beaten, sexually assaulted. Uh, some of them violated with tree limbs and strangled with their own undergarments. Uh, He's a real son of a bitch. Jesus. Oh, yeah, just when I was starting to like the guy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. He's so charismatic. One of the women was apparently even snatched right out of the corner from underneath the Cecil Hotel sign. It was speculated that Unterweger had specifically chosen the Cecil for his stay because of its seedy location, and it had easier access to sex workers during the night. So it seemed that Unterweger had not, in fact, been rehabilitated, uh, having crossed seas with a new life only to still arrange every move around acting out his twisted fantasies. It was very deliberate. Yeah. Well, because we're at 11 now, right? Because he killed yep. eight in Austria. Well, don't forget about the first girl. The first right. Girl. We're at 11 after being reformed. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he killed one person, got reformed, and then killed 11. Mm-hmm. So I think the reformation didn't work so good because that's like a lot more people yeah. than he yeah. killed before. This is, hmm. keep in mind, this is only a year after he got out. This is all within a year. Damn, oh that guy works God. fast. Yeah. How fucking idiotic do the people who petitioned for his release they feel? Might, like, after those that. Those are the people with eggs on their face. Yeah. That's true. Those are the people that are, like, Oops. probably, like, kept themselves up at night with the fucking yeah. guilt. Some people, I think it's more denial, but some people <clears throat> still thought that, like, the police were framing him. Like, just because he was a convicted murderer that got out, they were pinning all these murders on him, even though they were in the exact same... <laughs> even though it. they were... Ex- <laughs> it's... I can't, we can't even... Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. 
So the tragic deaths of these women would righteously be Unterweger's undoing, however, as the peculiar connections between his timeline in Los Angeles and Europe would close in. So it, this, his time in L.A. would eventually lead to him being caught, well, good. which is good. A break in the case finally made headway back in Austria a short while after Unterweger returned home. A retired detective, August Schenner. August. That's August the hero. Schenner. Good job, buddy. Good yeah. job. Shouts out to August Schenner. Uh, had never once been convinced of Jack's innocence and had urged for continued surveillance on the felon with every new murder. So every time, eight times, he just went to the police and just like, you gonna do it yet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like eight times. Like, uh, was this gonna be the one where you were gonna... <laughs> so seven, huh? Uh, what about eight? Have uh, you tried checking on Jack? <laughs> Is anybody even talking to him? Oh, he's going to LA and, and, and the killings have stopped, you say. Hmm. Okay, well, that's... I seem to have hear, heard of a couple killings in L.A. that sounded not dissimilar. <laughs> um, they actually made that connection after. Uh, so when he got back from L.A. was when they finally decided to act on uh, Schenner's behest, uh, where they finally enacted a search warrant that sent Unterweger fleeing the country. That's not suspicious. No. <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, so free to search his residence in detail, they found a connecting clue of his earlier whereabouts via a menu from a Malibu sea- seafood restaurant. Um, after contacting the L.A. police, the nature of his unsolved murders were compared and found shocking similarities that would create the case. Huh. Well, thank God there's a, a single August Schenner in this world. If he wasn't there constantly badgering people, what would have happened? Right. Would they have just like never put two and two together and just... They would have just celebrated when Jack got back. Oh, hell yeah, Jack oh, got hell back. yeah. Woo. Jack, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the murders have started again. I know it seems like bad luck just falls you around, buddy. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm real sorry. This time in L.A. would further drive the nail in his conviction coffin after finally being captured and put on trial. An LAPD criminologist was called to the stand as his Austrian court case uh, and presented damning evidence that ultimately served to turn the jury against Unterweger. So she displayed the actual murder weapons from the Los Angeles victims, which were their bras. To demonstrate the chilling reality of how similarly the knots had been tied to strangle each victim. These types of knots were identical to those all used in the murders from L.A., some in Prague from when he crossed the border, and in Austria. This knot, in some uh, like cop-out poetic justice, uh, would be tied one last time around the neck of the very man that had utilized it. After being convicted of nine out of the eleven found murders, he was sentenced to life in prison... But Jack Unterweger was found hung in his cell using the same ligature to take his own life as he had done so many others. Fucking coward. Yep. A real fucking fucker. Fucking coward. What a son of a bitch. Like his entire, all of it was just very self-serving. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this guy, I'm gonna say right now. <laughs> I'm Controversial. Say, I'm glad he's dead. Whoa. No, actually. <laughs> actually, no, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I, wish I, kinda he was I wish he'd fucking, like fucking yeah. rot in jail for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Or stayed in jail for a few years, reformed himself, <gasps> you know, yeah. got out. Maybe he started yeah, writing comic start books. again. Honestly, we could have given him started one more writing shot. writing songs. <laughs> Let him kill 22 people and then... And then no more chances. We gave no, you- hey. <laughs> that that was too many people. Getting greedy there. But uh, anyway, so we established that he's a piece of shit, but he did leave his mark on the already sullied reputation of the Cecil Hotel back in Los Angeles. So, moving ahead a few years to one particular weekend in 1995, 
A mass jailbreak occurred from Pinchness Honor Rancho Corrections Facility. That's a long ass name. That is too many words. <laughs> it was a corrections facility where a total of 14 inmates had escaped. Hmm. One in particular, a murder suspect by the name of Eric Reed, had sought shelter in the Cecil Hotel after hitching a ride that Sunday morning. He had flagged down a car in only his underwear, bloodied from scaling the jail's barbed wire fencing, and explained to the driver <laughs> that he had been mugged and beaten. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Scraped his old tummy. He didn't kill that guy, though, did he? No. He just, like, got a ride. So yeah. at least there's that. Yeah, I guess at least that guy's alive. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm just worried that everybody's going to die. <laughs> well, that guy gets murdered too well. Because he, he thought about the Cecil. He thought he had, it was in his brain. He went there. <laughs> and he then drove he there. died. <laughs> Poor bastard. Um, there was one guy that was arrested because of this guy, though. So after a witness had reported him to the police, 50 officers surrounded the building and blocked off entryways to begin searching the 700 rooms of the hotel. Oh, Jesus. my God. Yeah. So apparently the guy uh, that had rented him the room like some other guy rented it in his name and he got arrested for that yeah Which, i mean that's pretty suspicious i mean it is suspicious but it, it, he didn't really know he who probably he just was i mean probably just gave him some money he was like yeah. hey i'll give you like 16 dollars if you <laughs> <laughs> rent, rent a room in your name well, well that's sure. weird but okay i like a 16 dollars that sounds like a good amount of money make it 17 that's a good amount of 1995 dollars <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so finally, they reached room 412, where Reed had already been waiting to present his back to them with his hands on his head. Realizing he was totally fucked, he wordlessly surrendered without a fight, uh, though officers did find narcotics, and I thought this was pretty uh, fun, a bayonet in his room. <laughs> That's interesting. Where did he acquire this? Yeah, I don't know. That. In what time frame? Yeah. I mean, How long was he out of the prison at this point? It was only a day. How did he get a bayonet I in a know, day? Maybe he was in that dude's truck that he got picked up from. maybe he just gave yeah, him a complimentary <laughs> he said oh don't forget your bayonet it's, <laughs> i give them to everybody i give rides to where'd he get the 16 dollars though what <laughs> <laughs> you know where he got it <laughs> no wait <laughs> he gave it yeah how did he get it he was running around in his chonies he didn't have money in his pocket the guy felt sorry for him the guy so said he here's your bayonet? 16 dollars and bayonet as is customary in this town when you give someone a ride it's That's just hospitality. <laughs> That's good that old-fashioned Los Angeles hospitality. <laughs> yeah. Bayonet and 16 bucks for the road. <laughs> he was very generous. It's usually only 15. Yeah. That's true. He liked this one. So that boy went back to jail. Yeah, uh, well, that one wasn't so bad. I mean, obviously, we didn't hear much about his murder. He oh. was a suspected murderer. Suspected he murderer. And he ran away from jail because jail probably sucks. Yeah. Um, and he didn't kill he anybody just, when he, he did it. And he just gave up when the cops came. He was just yeah. like, yep, you got me. He had a fun time. He got a bayonet. Yeah. <laughs> you, th- I, <laughs> you know what's really funny? That whole time that you were telling that story mm-hmm. and like you were talking about the cops, and I still imagined him undies scraped at tummy. <laughs> me too. Oh, <laughs> like, no. like the cops surrounding him and he's just like, oh, no. <laughs> I never once imagined him in clothes. He was always oh, in tidy whities Yeah, definitely like bloody tidy whities <laughs> Yeah. So perhaps this media circus was finally enough to set a much needed change into motion. Or maybe, more probably, it was the encroaching gentrification of downtown LA that began in the mid-2000s uh, that had folks actually giving a shit about the Cecil again. Nice. Because in 2007, uh, the hotel was sold to a group led by Fred Cordova for $26 million. 
That's a lot of money. That's but too is much it money to pay for twenty six million for a a seven hundred room hotel? That's probably not that much money. <laughs> yeah, but a seven hundred room hotel with crime in every single one of those rooms. Like, yeah, that's true. He's. I mean, they could have bought it, it for sixty. The I'm trouble. Sure. I mean, they thought it was because uh, their goal was to restore the building's originally intended beauty and market itself as a budget boutique hotel for tourists and middle class hipsters. In Skid Row. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. They're trying to clean it up. And also stay in the haunted hotel. They're not yeah. going to clean up Skid Row. <laughs> <laughs> well, people were doing, uh, I don't know if it was a pretty good job, but they were really trying. Um, local businesses around were all getting bought out. Uh, the definition of gentrification. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but the, those homeless people, they don't just like <laughs> get homes. <laughs> right. They just move. <laughs> they just have to leave because the are around. Yeah. You can make the building look nicer. There's still just as many like, homeless people. The homeless probably just had to get more like densely compact. Yeah. Yeah. Thus began the Cecil's transformation into the, <laughs> it's only called The Stay. Wait, what? <laughs> That's the name of the hotel now? Uh, yeah, that's what they renamed it, is The that's Stay. That's dumb. That's super dumb. You got to really pander to those hipster buyers. That's a, very, yeah, never mind. that's a pretty cool name. Never mind. Though this new fresh moniker was not uh, popular with the long-term residents uh, because it meant that they were being forced out of their place that they lived for a while. So, <laughs> like yeah, if Goldie people... had been there, she would have oh, gotten kicked man. out. Yeah, you're right. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Dang. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them were druggies that were just chilling there, but also... Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. It was just like, well, probably a lot of them are, like, scumbags. Yeah. They're living in the Cecil. Yeah. The stay, I mean. It's, like, kind of an ironic name when you're kicking out all the people. Honestly, <laughs> I was having the exact same thought. Just like, but you're not going to let them all right, stay? the name is the stay now, and you have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, despite the changes made, however, they couldn't hide the peculiar nature of the hotel under a fresh coat of paint. Three years after the effort to flip the stay began, what was believed to be some bizarre hoax happened within its walls. One morning in May of 2010, quote, paramedic of the year and city firefighter Charles Anthony McDougal. (laughs) Mr. McDougal. I'm sorry. (laughs) Did you just say his name was Mr. McDougal? (laughs) Do you mean Mitter McDougal himself? Are we talking about Mitter Mitter McDougal? McDougal? (laughs) Continue, please. Because we if just anybody lost a lot gets of listeners. That fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Mr. McDougal reported being stabbed several times while on an emergency call at this easel. Well, he that lived to report that he was stabbed, so that he reports. Wait, but no. it was a hoax or was it? Uh, well, it here's was. here's okay. He was stabbed, but there's weird gaps in his story. So his partner, who had been parked outside, recalls Mr. McDougal exiting the hotel's coffee shop only to alert him of someone that needed medical assistance before returning into the building alone. After about eight minutes, the partner would eventually go upstairs to investigate to find that McDougal had been bleeding from multiple wounds, so he was stabbed. Okay. According to McDougal, he had gone upstairs to examine this mystery individual. Whose I didn't find details did it, he yeah, gave did he none say, of? Like, no. The guy was, was it a human? a goblin jumped out of the closet stabbed me so yeah uh, apparently the guy was gone when when mcdougall was found uh he had gone upstairs to examine him when someone first stabbed him in the elbow and then additional times in the body so it wasn't the same guy according to him so did he got what he was saying is that two separate people stabbed him no he went to help somebody okay 
I don't know if he ever found the person. I don't know how he knew. Maybe somebody like lured him upstairs, but he said when he went to go help the guy, somebody else had stabbed him. Oh, had stabbed the guy. Okay, 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 okay. Had stabbed McDougal. McDougal no. went to go investigate a person who, who was- had been stabbed. No. no. <laughs> who oh. was in need help. of medical yeah. attention. Sure. And when he went to go look for that guy, Mr. McDougal got stabbed by somebody who wasn't the guy that he was looking for. Oh, I thought that you were saying that there was like, he got stabbed once and then another <laughs> guy ran up and he's like, I'm getting in oh, on this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we stabbing? Oh, oh hey, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> blah, blah. And then like, there's just like a line. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Get him. <laughs> For eight minutes before his partner oh. came. You guys hear they're stabbing on the fourth floor? <laughs> oh, I oh, gotta got get you. up there right now. <laughs> <laughs> just got my new knife. No suspects were ever apprehended, so they all just scattered like cockroaches that whole night. Yeah. Um, nice. <laughs> the investigators were troubled by inconsistent statements between McDougal and his partner. What creates more complications is why the two were both put on paid leave after the incident where this person in need and stabber had disappeared to, why McDougal might have told his partner not to tell his girlfriend about the whole fiasco, or why the pair was even at the hotel to begin with. Huh. That's a lot of holes. That's a lot. Maybe it was like a scam to like get like, paid leave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud, you got to stab me. I know it's <laughs> this is a convoluted plan, but I promise you we will both get paid leave. <laughs> well, there was, there was security footage, so they weren't together. Like it was, oh. he went upstairs and then the partner was. But there was no film. security footage of him of, getting stabbed. I guess it's only in the lobby and out in the hallways. Okay, that they makes, don't really care. That makes sense, I guess, if you're, you know, cheap. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like oh, I don't want to know what happens in these halls. This, this place is fucked up. But he refused. Like he didn't describe the person who he was helping or the person who. I don't know if he even him. found it. I don't know if like all he told his partner was uh, that somebody needed medical assistance and then he went upstairs. I don't know if somebody else told him. But then he told his partner not to tell his girlfriend about it. Yeah. That's why, okay. Had Maybe this... there was a prostitute in the cafe. That's and, what I was thinking. And he was like, hey, somebody's hurt. I'll be back in a little bit. And then I think like maybe he manhandled her or something and she stabbed him. Yeah. Couldn't tell nobody. Couldn't tell nobody. So it was two completely different people who he didn't want to describe. So... <laughs> so what you're saying is that this paramedic man, while on the clock with his partner, was like, yeah, I'm going to go get me a prosty <laughs> and go <laughs> hit up this, the fucking stay and we go get down. But I'm going to get a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> while, uh, while fucking John's outside in the fucking ambulance. Maybe. They both got paid leave. Yeah, that was a good idea. <laughs> I wish I could get paid leave for getting stabbed. I don't know that you want to get stabbed. He got stabbed in the elbow. Owie. That would hurt yeah. very bad. Owie. <laughs> Owie. Ooh. That's a big boo-boo. Or maybe some like just freaking psycho boy was just like, hey, somebody needs help upstairs. I'm going to stab the shit out of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Come upstairs. Get stabbed. <laughs> But still, then why wouldn't he want his girlfriend yeah. to know? And also, why wouldn't he just describe who that person was? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you guys' story sounds pretty chill and everything. <laughs> this also sounds a little insane. Oh, yeah. It mm -hmm. does. It seems less insane of the stories, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, but whatever the case may be with that, uh, the dark history of the hotel is still being made into its most recent years, when in 2013, it made worldwide news for yet another gruesome death. An infamous case that became a national uproar, the debatably unsolved death of Alisa Lamb. Miss Lamb. Miss Lamb. This was the first I ever learned of the Cecil Hotel. I heard about this story, but I didn't know anything about the Cecil Hotel. I think this one put it uh, more on the map again. Yeah, I think that this was at least was for... Was it still called The Stay at this time? It was called Stay on Main. The Stay It's a little on bit Main. of a better name. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is. It's not as pretentious. Yeah, I, I didn't like look into the hotel. I didn't like when this mm-hmm. story came out, I didn't like look into it or know that there was like yeah. a dark history to this hotel, but this was the first that I had ever heard of it. Yeah, I heard the name. Yeah. And I think it was like, I think the media sort of hyped it up even more because I did call it still the Cecil. Mm-hmm. Even <laughs> it was technically the stay on Main. Um, but all right. In January of that year, the 21-year-old Canadian student had been traveling alone along the West Coast, writing about her trip in detail on her social media, such as Facebook, Tumblr, and her own personal online blog. Um, and her, uh, I think her Tumblr has been up until recently. I think it recently was taken down, but it, it had been up for years after. Oh, wow. Yeah. So during this West Coast tour, as she liked to call it, she had planned to take an exciting adventure along buses and trains to travel from San Diego to Los Angeles through Santa Cruz and ending in San Francisco. It sounds pretty fun. Yeah, that sounds super fun. She would update her friends and family with pictures of her excursions until finally making it to Los Angeles and checking into the Cecil Hotel on January 26th. Having expected further updates from her solo journey, Femi was distraught to find that as of the 31st, all communication had abruptly ended. The high strangeness of her case had unknowingly already begun, with no discernible evidence for her disappearance despite police officers scouring the building from top to bottom. Elisa's parents had flown out to L.A. to assist the search, and tracking dogs were utilized to perhaps sniff out any clues that had gone unnoticed, but nothing turned up from the efforts. It was as if she had simply vanished. (laughs) Until, and uh, you guys are probably familiar with this. Yep. A disturbing surveillance video was brought to light depicting the last visible moments Elisa Lamb had been alive. The footage shows a distraught Elisa in the hotel elevator wearing a red zip-up hoodie and black shorts with sandals. At first, she seems to be pressing a variety of buttons on elevator console, though her attempts do nothing as the doors seem to be malfunctioning, refusing to close. As uh, (laughs) when we were watching the video, Chris pointed out, She keeps getting in and out of the elevator, so if the door was going to close and then it's saw her there but it doesn't but it doesn't even like start to close you know how like elevators they'll usually it doesn't take them very long to like start to close and it didn't even begin to it stayed wide open the whole time Mm -hmm. Uh, after this she is visibly wary of something or someone unseen out in the hallway quickly stepping outside the door a few times to peek around the outer area before snapping back into the elevator to hide with her back to the wall in the corner as if hiding from something After a few moments of this, Elisa steps outside the elevator cautiously before performing a strange series of steps back and forth. Like you were were saying that it actually looked like she was... Looks like she's squirting anything. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like her foot movements were Mm -hmm. a little... (laughs) Uh, Re-entering the elevator, seemingly more upset, she mashes any and all buttons before stepping outside and seemingly begins talking to someone off screen. What's even more unnerving is her sudden erratic behavior as she begins to gesticulate with her hands in an almost unnatural way of movement, twisting her hands and gesturing in the air in front of her. Finally, she wanders off screen and the door closes behind her, never to be seen alive again. 
what what is it you th- what do you think happened i truly don't know she seemed like she was behaving really weird like maybe she was either intentionally or unintentionally drugged the way that she's moving her body and the way that she's like responding to things she like leaned over initially to press the button like really strangely the way she's moving yeah. her body is like really like yeah, abnormal like she couldn't focus on the on the buttons yeah like she had to get close to him um do you think that there was another person there maybe that's the really hard part but if nobody ever saw her again and we haven't gotten to where she ended up but nobody ever saw her alive again and did Alyssa lamb have a history of mental illness uh yes she did okay (laughs) oh i didn't know that continue please yeah go go back to where you were gonna be so we will get to that but once this footage was released it immediately went viral taking the internet by storm and drawing massive attention to the case and conspiracy and paranormal theories were included in that of course (laughs) yeah (laughs) as they would be uh some proposed that she had been dealing with an unseen killer i thought you were gonna say the devil (laughs) <laughs> with the devil. Dealing with the devil. We're dealing with the devil. Another uh, theory was that she was high on party drugs, such as ecstasy. Yeah. So I mean, that's fair watching yeah. the video. She did look like she was high. Mm-hmm. Or even that she had been possessed by an entity from the CISO. <gasps> yeah. Yes. The devil. Absolutely. Equally as likely yes, as ecstasy. Definitely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen a whole bunch of people on ecstasy Mm-hmm. And I've seen a whole bunch of people that are possessed by demons and mm-hmm. entities. So it's they're both as equally likely scenarios. And they behave very similarly. They do. They do. And it, <laughs> who's to say? They really what? like rubbing on stuff. All both. <laughs> They just love rubbing. <laughs> it was during this dive into her case that it also became more public knowledge, much to the chagrin of the family, that Lamb did suffer from mental illness. Uh, specifically bipolar disorder. Okay. Uh-huh. That kind of looks like a manic, uh, like a a manic, manic episode, episode a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. There's dispute on this, though, because <laughs> people refute the fact that like she had a breakdown because uh, mental illness or not, they quote, bipolar disorder does not cause hallucinations. But I'm going to, okay. I think that's when you're medicated. Well, oh. also, it's bold to say that she was having hallucinations. We don't know. Exactly. Yeah. What That's what she... I was going to say. Is like, no, it doesn't. Like, yeah. the, 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 it doesn't cause hallucinations, but it does cause you to act erratically. Yeah. She could have been paranoid thinking somebody was there. And maybe like, somebody was there, but she was yeah. maybe... Like, what if it was just some dude there and, and he, she was just, you know... Thought that like, he was... Yeah, yeah. Thought, thought that he was... If it was... Like, any regular old patron of the hotel like it doesn't you know it could have just been anybody and she was just behaving that way mm-hmm. it's like, bold to say that she's hallucinating yeah yeah it is. psychotic episodes can happen not you know as a systematic thing that's right. currently going on but when you reach those states it, sometimes you do see shit and it's not the same for everybody right or you know you don't behave like a rational person like you can think that people are out to get you because it did like how chris was saying it did look like she was being playful in certain areas and then really stressed out in others yeah like that's part of why the behavior is sort of more unsettling is because like there are moments where she looks scared Mm -hmm. and like she's hiding and then there are other moments where she's she's out in the hall and she looks like she's looking at something and maybe interacting with somebody yeah i mean you know if the elevator is broken you're trying to get away from somebody you use the goddamn stairs (laughs) honestly 
But yeah, like <laughs> like whether or not she's hallucinating is not really for anybody to say because mm-hmm. she we don't see what she's seeing. We don't see down that hallway. So yeah, like there very easily could be somebody there. There mm-hmm. also very easily could not be, but that's really not part of the right. Like that doesn't solve anything yeah. whether or not she's hallucinating. <laughs> It's just a weird thing to go to because whether or not she's hallucinating like doesn't change what happens next for her. Just one week later, all of this speculation would meet reality when further hard evidence came to light. A few weeks later in February, many residents began to complain about water supply and the pressure, the water pressure was low uh, in the showers and the water was dark and discolored flowing from the faucets. Guests that drank the tap water noted it was as having a distinctly oh. foul smell and taste. God damn it. People drank that water. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Why? I don't know how you're like, hey, there's some gray ass water coming in my tap. I'm thirsty. <laughs> I'm never going to be that thirsty ever. <laughs> I will walk across the damn street and buy a water bottle before I drink gray mm. water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it, some of it was black, brown. Yeah, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you drinking that water? I mean, also the thing about the people staying at the Cecil. True. That is true. But honestly, Jesus. Mm. But like, as low as you can sink, you're going to you drink just, fucking murky water. Out if of it's the stinky, you got to investigate. Yeah, you're just <laughs> like, oh, this water looks weird, but does it taste weird? <laughs> and it yes, smells it weird, does. which I know before I drink it. Yeah. God damn it. So on February 19th, a hotel worker was tasked to check the water tanks to resolve these issues, but was met with a grisly discovery upon prying open the heavy latch. Inside, the rooftop water tank floated Lisa Lamb's body, who had been decaying within the hotel's water supply for nearly three weeks. That is, that is too long. Mm-hmm. That's too, too long. long. How'd she get in there? Uh, there's the debate. mystery. Yeah. No, that, I mean, if, if it was pretty heavy, right? It was pretty heavy, and there were, like, uh, security alarms to get to the roof. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, the plot thickens. The plot thickens. Well, and it was latched from the outside, right? The employee had to open the latch to look inside. That's true. Her. I don't know if it, like, I, I would assume so with a water tank, a swivel latch, It could latch, be, like, maybe? a latch that automatically engages, like, oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, falls in and engages. Mm. Well, then... That would explain something. Yeah, because then she wouldn't be able to get out or get push out. out. Yeah. Um, her body was found naked, though the clothes she had been stripped of were also found inside the water tank with her. Elisa Lamb had now gone from a missing person to a confirmed death. After a tight-lipped investigation and oddly lengthy autopsy process, the case of Elisa Lamb was ultimately ru- ruled as an accidental drowning, explaining that she had climbed into the tank of her own volition in an altered state to either deliberately commit suicide or that she had entered the tank was uh, when it was full. And then like once people were using water, like couldn't maybe during the out. night. Yeah. No, she couldn't mm-hmm. get out. Uh, so she was trapped. Uh, however, this ruling did not sit well with Lamb's family, who ended up suing the hotel to cover the cost of her funeral and for emotional turmoil. It didn't seem to convince much of the national audience either, as almost immediately many rejected the official report due to the number of suspicious circumstances surrounding it. The internet immediately erupted again with all sorts of these series from all areas of her life and death uh, becoming scrutinized. For every logical explanation anyone proposed, another unsolved issue could counteract it. For example, if she had somehow managed to drown herself as the police concluded, how did she even get to the rooftop in the first place, past a locked door and an alarm system, let alone climb up to the platform of the tanks, which was 10 feet, like a 10-foot climb, and then managed to lift it when she was only 5'5 and 115 pounds? (laughs) 
Mm. And like seriously, alarmed doors, alarmed locked doors. Well, I mean, do those people know exactly? They, okay, yeah, you can describe a latch as heavy, but like that yeah. means nothing. That's yeah. arbitrary. Especially like, like if you're determined to get in there. Yeah, but also like fire escapes. There's probably fire escapes that go to the roof. Yeah. All the way. And yeah. you could climb up a fire escape to get to a roof. That was actually uh, a YouTuber proposed that because they were at the Cecil trying to explain how she got out. And, and there she, was fire yep. escapes. <laughs> she, she went out the window and she climbed up. There you go. <laughs> Do that. So of the widely believed theories and then also some of the weird ones, I collected some of the, the conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. So here we go. We'll get into those. Oh, boy. I <laughs> can't wait. So the first one that seems pretty plausible of these uh, was that she was murdered by a hotel employee. In a case like this, it's not a hard conclusion to jump to believing foul play was involved. But who would target a girl in such a busy location and dispose of her body in such a bizarre and deliberate way? Someone who already knew she was traveling alone and potentially even had access to her room. Someone who already knew of the perfect place within the hotel to hide a body and who already had keys and alarm codes and access to the rooftop. Someone who even knew where to stand outside of the elevator in order to not be seen on the camera. Some speculators even point that her scramble to push so many buttons was a clever tactic to throw off any potential attackers that had been stalking her, as they would not know exactly which floor she would be getting off on. That, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like, if she's, if she's pushing all these buttons and it's going to every floor, like those floors that light up, mm-hmm. that show you where you're getting off, yeah. The person wouldn't know which floor she was getting off on. But the person was right outside the elevator in that scenario. But she was getting on the elevator, so if she... Also, when she first got on the elevator in that video, she didn't press all the buttons. She, she pressed like one, and yeah. then she got out, and then went back in, and, and then pressed, pressed all the all buttons. Them. She pressed consecutively. There was a line, and then when she got back in, she pressed all of them. I watched it. <laughs> well, that also sounds like something that somebody not in the right mind would do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that honestly, that sounds a little bit more because I'm mean, in that panicked. St- if you're like panicked trying to escape somebody, you're probably not trying to waste time stopping on every floor. Also, yeah, that's true. Because like that's huge. That is a humongous waste of time. Mm-hmm. And if they can run downstairs, they can catch you somewhere. That's a, that's a so, solid point. If I was trying to flee, I would want to go exactly where I'm trying to go rather than like, mm-hmm. or like try I to said, be clever. Like if you're trying to run away from somebody and the elevator is not working, you don't stand around in the elevator and hang out and <laughs> like play peekaboo. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking run away. Mm-hmm. I'm just proposing what other people propose sure, sure, for these yeah. theories. Taking that aside, broadening the scope of foul play beyond like an employee Another peculiar detail was found in another bit of surveillance footage in which Elisa had been taped prior walking into the hotel lobby with a pair of unidentified men for an unknown reason. To do drugs together. Maybe. Probably. They were seen giving her a box and then going upstairs together. Box full of drugs. That's how how those teenagers do it. Everybody knows you put drugs in box. (laughs) I want to go back to that other one about the... the, um, the employee how is hiding them in the water tank the perfect hiding spot when in like the body's gonna like they're gonna find her i want to know what people they interviewed and if there were any employees that like quit after that or what I'd is probably quit after that <laughs> well, well i mean before sucks. she was found what is convenient uh, about that though like putting her in the water tank they will find her 
but she's not going to have any remnant of like DNA on her, like from anybody mm-hmm. else. If if she's like been decaying yeah. in water, like they they wouldn't be able to find any evidence on her. And then, I mean, the dogs weren't able to find her because she was in there. So yeah, like they'll eventually find her, but like your bases are covered in terms of it leading back to you. Okay, entertaining that idea that she was killed. There is another homicide theory with a bit more theatrical flair. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. This idea is that her death had actually been inspired by the movie Dark Water. Never it? heard of it. Never heard nope. of it? Nope. Okay. Dark Water was originally a Japanese film from 2002 that gained an American adaptation in 2005 starring Jennifer Connelly and John C. Riley. Whoa. I've never heard of that movie. <laughs> Still a good chaos. <laughs> It is a good guess. <laughs> but um, it was about the ghost of a young girl that haunts a rundown apartment complex after drowning in its water tank. <gasps> the dark water from her decomposing body seeping throughout the building to haunt a mother and her daughter by the names of Dahlia and C- Cecilia. And as we know from the last episode, the Black Dahlia. The Black Dahlia, which was total bullshit, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Huh? In the Cecilia Hotel. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> oh my god gotcha oh my god okay well that, that's my theory now <laughs> that's Perfect. the one i believe now i think that's i think the name thing is a little weird but i mean the director could have been like a, or whoever rewrote the script could have just been obsessed with that hotel already yeah that's um, true but it would have been somebody else trying to emulate that that would make that a reality I see. right yeah so it seems a little Hollywood conspiracy, but the idea of copycat murders emulating films isn't all that far-fetched. There are multiple accounts of real-life crimes directly mimicking movie plots by confessions of the perpetrators themselves. For example, there's the case of 17-year-old Kyle Shaw, who cited Fight Club. Fucking, of course it's a 17-year-old boy. Yeah. <laughs> 17-year-olds don't understand the point of that movie. <laughs> Um, but he cited that movie as the main influence for making homemade bombs that detonated across New York City on Memorial Day of 2009. So, stupid kid or not, he actually did some terrorist shit. That's Holy actually shit. Actually, super... I'm not, like, <laughs> I, saying that I'm like, wow, this kid's really cool. Like, that's impressive. That he was able to, like, That he could do that. that. Yeah. And, like, at 17, no way I could be that dedicated <laughs> about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But yeah, he had wanted to launch his own Project Mayhem. In 2004, a 14-year-old Michael Hernandez lured his school friend into a bathroom stall and stabbed him over 40 times, landing him a life in prison. The teen admitted to modeling his behavior of killers from American Psycho and The Silence of the Lambs, stating that he wanted to act out the rules towards his plan of becoming a serial killer. Which, also 14. That's not a very good friend. No. That's real mean. He lured... His friend, he said, that was that said friend, into the bathroom and stepped him 40 times. That's a lot I of I would times. never do that to my friend. <laughs> Ever. You say looking us both in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go cross-eyed because they're sitting on both my sides. Uh, there was also the widespread wave of movie-inspired violence even uh, that plagued the UK in the early 1970s upon the original cinematic release of A Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah, yeah, some ultraviolence. Ultraviolence that included beating in the streets, stabbings, murder, and gang rapes. God, that's because, like, in that movie, mm-hmm. in the Stanley Kubrick version of of that yeah. film, of that book, rather, Alex doesn't learn a thing. Nope. 
at the end of the movie, it's just like, yeah, he was bad all along, and it's cool. In the book, he's not bad all along, and it's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is bad all along, but at the end, you know, lesson He learned. realizes that it wasn't cool. Yeah. If you guys are, have never read that book, spoiler. sorry about the spoiler, <laughs> I guess. It's a very old book, but you should read it anyway. It's, it's extremely book. difficult to read. It is, it's, you know, I used to think that as well. This is now a book podcast, <laughs> by the way. I used to think that, that that book was difficult to read, but that was when I was like, like you know, in high school. Mm-hmm. But reading it, it like later on, you can kind of like take your time and be like, you know, I'm going to look up what this word is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to f- try to figure out like, because there's people who have like translated those words. Oh my God. Oh man. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> Maybe he should have stuck closer to the book because uh, Kubrick, Definitely. Yeah, Kubrick actually ended up pulling the film after all of that shit. Because um, it really glorifies it. Yeah, movie. it sure do. Well, yeah, it does. For Impressionable Minds, yeah, it does. Yeah. It, even at the No, it, 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 that one really does at the end, and the, the movie does at least. Because like, it's just At like, the end, it's just like, yeah, he got away with it, and he still <laughs> wants to do it. Like, he, like, all that shit happened, and he still wants to be bad. It's honestly a lot like Jack from earlier. Yeah. Unterweger sounds a lot like him. Yeah. But one of these uh, people that really glorified it uh, was a case in particular about an office worker named John Ricketts who had been dressed as a droog from the film. Mm-hmm. He had assaulted a woman at a party, quote, because she was taking up too much room on the dance floor. Cool, dude. Super fucking cool, dude. <laughs> So, point is, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility sure. for yeah. pe- some asshole to murder an innocent girl to reenact a film. That was uh, three stars on IMDb. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. I mean, never heard of it, so. <laughs> if they had caught the guy that, like, would have done that, just, uh, yeah, he wouldn't have heard of it. Yeah. Well, wait, the movie that has three stars on IMDb? The Who cares 2000- about that shit? <laughs> You're lame, dude. Why didn't you emulate like a sweet movie? (laughs) Fucking Transformers 2. (laughs) How many stars do you think Transformers 2 has on IMDb? Do you think it's like two? Yeah, I'll say two. Let's find out. Let's look it up. Continue and I'll I'll be listening. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, another theory was that she was an unwitting pharmaceutical test subject. What? All right. I know what you're thinking. But I think I can convince you. <laughs> this is I fucking dare you. <laughs> this okay. <laughs> you know, you know how I said on episode zero how I'm the type of person who, if you give me enough facts, <laughs> I'll believe anything. I buy it. <laughs> Real quick, uh, you know, Transformers Two, which is actually called Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, okay, um, has a six out of ten on IMDb. What? That's impressive. However, mm-hmm. it has a nineteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> And a thirty-five percent on Metacritic. So, all right, I'll, I'll trust you know, that. I'm not sure what IMDb's thinking. Maybe they really like Shia LaBeouf, but continue. Whoever rated, but that. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, during the time that Lamb had been staying at the Cecil, there also happened to be a severe outbreak of tuberculosis amongst the homeless population of Skid Row. Now, we all know Big Pharma is an immense power here in the United States. I knew that. And it would not be unheard of to test involuntarily on a population everyone else ignores, thus keeping the project nearly silent while still having a supply of human lab rats. Fucking genius. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) I am sold. Keep talking. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. (laughs) I'm about like 45% sold. (laughs) No, okay. But take, for instance, 
one of the many experiments conducted in the very real project funded by the government, MKUltra, when our own government, without knowledge or consent, drugged countless U.S. citizens with the experimental drug then, LSD, to see how it affected individuals. Did I get you? <laughs> Does this comparison? Dude, I was already 100% on board. Continue, please. <laughs> 60%. All right, it's moving up. It's moving up. <laughs> okay. One CIA scientist, Dr. Frank Olson, had been secretly dosed and never fully recovered from the trip, later killing himself by jumping six stories less than a month later. Some say he may have been silenced. In either case, there is speculation that Elisa Lam suffered a similar fate. Hmm. How do we know that that guy... (laughs) (laughs) Wait, how do we know that that guy was drugged? It's it's documented. Oh, okay. That was an MKUltra guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> wait but so but but why where does so, the list, where does miss lamb come in yeah because right. i oh, okay <laughs> here it comes here it i'm come. willing he to buy using homeless people as lab rats but okay. where does uh, where does she come in she comes in uh, somebody should clip that and take it way out of context <laughs> 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 she looks very shocked oh, no <laughs> Do you remember saying this as they played in court? <laughs> Booker. Um, it's going to okay. be on my computer where the context is. It's going to go out on the internet, fool. <laughs> this could explain why, even when they supposedly found no substance in her system, that was, so drugs were off the table. Ecstasy? Or perhaps the coroner was on the payroll. What? <gasps> That's exactly what people think. The coroner's on the payroll. Yeah. During the toxicity analysis, the results of her autopsy still took so long to release. It took four months to release her autopsy Whoa. reports. They had to fish out all the little bits. <laughs> Bad joke. Sorry, guys. You're still that smiling. Was a real person who died. A detail that I think is actually pretty weird, like this, this how silly this sounds aside, is that the TB testing kit being used in that area was called enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay. Or Alyssa? Yes. Oh. Lamb Elissa for short. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. What was it called? Enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay. But it's called, it is actually, the product is called Lamb Elisa. Oh my God, that's really cool. No. <laughs> There is fur- further speculation that this coincidence may have been intentional to bury any prying intrigue into what they were really up to. If ever someone were to research the outbreak or treatments involved, all results would instead be flooded by a wild and distracting case. Could it truly have been all a cover-up from the government-sponsored intentional outbreak and testing? Wait, so are they saying that, whoa. <laughs> now that's kind of a long con, isn't it? Like You're like, okay, we make this drug... And then we call it Alyssa Lamb <laughs> after this college girl because she's here now. Chris, don't <laughs> wait. Don't try to explain this away. Are you working for them? I'm on the payroll. Are you too. misinforming everyone of the truth? <laughs> I don't think I'm pretty misinformed myself. So, <laughs> a lot of people think that it was actually all like she was a fake person. Tell like, that to her parents. Yeah. They're probably not too happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. It was all a cover-up. Her parents, fake. Oh, my God. 
We, you look again and they're just like mannequins. <gasps> <gasps> Shit. Then how did the water get? Who's that in the elevator? Oh, no. She was a real it's human a real person. person. Yeah. But she but wasn't she was a really manufactured identity. identity. Mm-hmm. That's that's where you lost me. I'm back down <laughs> at like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. We went over the edge with that one. Damn. <laughs> but that is really fucking weird. It is I mean that's a, quite a coincidence. Yes, I, I think it's that's super super fucking weird. It's uh, like too much, you know. Isn't it? Isn't it's it? almost suspiciously too much, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> hmm. No, see that's that's actually where it lost me. Yeah. Was because like okay like I get that those are. Like obviously that's really strange that those that that's the same name basically, mm-hmm. but like how did those two correlate? The, co- the correlation right. is that they made up this human, this girl, this girl's <laughs> identity. But like, where does she come from? Who was that human person before? Yeah, that's yeah, that's where she it, had friends for years <laughs> because that's like <laughs> she a had a hum- tumbler. <laughs> that's an insanely I, long con, to, and you're gonna and then you're gonna name this drug. I have to like. Yeah, you name it after her, but when did they name it? Because it could have still been experimental when they were. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was like trying to like stay on board with it. it was like, yeah. well, maybe they named it while they were like testing it out while she was in the area, and they had chosen her as mm-hmm. like this is who it's gonna be. So yeah, yeah, maybe because they knew that she like through whatever amount of surveilling that she was a lone college student staying at a shitty hotel in Skid Row, mm-hmm. so like a solid distraction. That's possible. It's very dependent on when it was named. I yeah. think that's. I'm also. I'm still a little bit confused on what her role exactly was with the, with the drug testing. Like was goat. I don't know. Maybe. Well, so so you're. There's the potential that it was literally just a distraction. Mm-hmm. Like oh, oh yeah, to keep okay. people from yeah. investigating like, what was going on with the tuberculosis. Right. Okay. Yeah, you did say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. She was the uh, sacrificial lamb. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I the get, sacrificial I okay. lamb. God damn it. God oh, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I thought you said it on purpose. Nope. <laughs> boo. Oh, boo. All right. So, was it a government conspiracy or was it ghosts? Oh, shit. Wait, is there a ghost theory? Oh, God. Is yes, that what we're getting? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> so, after all of this, it's no surprise why the Cecil Omega folks, the heebie jeebies. Oh, name dropping podcast on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. shit. But some speculators take it a step further in regards to this case. There lingers this theory that Lamb was actually being tormented by some sort of evil spirit or entity in the elevator perhaps even possessed and compelled to commit suicide, as many had done before in her place, in such an odd and eerie way. Mm. Perhaps so much misfortune had happened here that the energy of the hotel itself drew troubled people into its sinister embrace. It drove them to do the unspeakable that they wouldn't normally do. Like what? You can't speak of it. You can't speak? (laughs) No, I can't speak. Or perhaps uh, things that they would do all along. <laughs> Just that seems very plausible. That seems Continue. very plausible. After his stay in June of 2013, novelist Steven Erickson had this to say about the Cecil. It will reveal to you whatever you are a fugitive from. In the case of Elisa Lamb, what if the police had been right after all? Despite the countless bizarre stories based on curiosities and conflicting details, there are also solid facts within the official verdict. 
Using the same suspicious autopsy report of nothing found in her system, that could also mean that there were no signs of any Welbutrin or Lamictal she had been supposed to be taking. Oh, that's pretty smart. Originally, Elisa had planned to stay with friends while at the Cecil, but was given her own room on the first night at their request due to her odd and disruptive behavior. Yet hotel staff recall her being uh, incredibly friendly and bubbly. While your knee-jerk reaction might be, she was possessed. Mm -hmm. It's also classic manifestations of her bipolar disorder. There's also the question of how she had gotten to the roof past the security alarms and a locked door. Thanks to the accounts of residents and YouTuber sleuths, there, there have been multiple accounts. There was a fire, uh, the fire escape video, and also like somebody had seen the, do- uh, the door ajar. Oh. So yeah, the security alarm yeah. wouldn't have gone up. Yeah, sure. yeah, perfect. I mean, there's the explanation of like how she even knew that she could get up there during a mental break. That seems a little weird. That I mean, honestly, you know, if you're having a manic episode, you're just like, I'll, like, I'm gonna fucking I'm just do gonna it. do some stuff. Like yeah. I'm just gonna climb this fire escape. I'll I'll go through this door. I don't know where it goes, but I'm I'm willing to find out. Yeah. Well, and if she time to was... go for a swim in this fucking big. Pool of water. That sounds what pretty fun What if she right got now. in that elevator and wanted to stop at every floor and got to the top and got out and walked to the roof? Like Maybe. She, you know. But she didn't get back in the elevator, right? Oh, she, she didn't. She, You're right. She, she went probably went. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. That's a very, like, thing about manic episodes, right? Is that, like, you, you want to no... do stuff. You want to go. Yeah. You yeah. want to. There's no logical wanna explanation, go, go, go. but you want to do Who it. Who knows if she had slept in days. You know, yeah, that that could cause hallucinations. Mm-hmm. It sure you could. Know? If your manic episode is keeping you awake, yeah. then you could hallucinate. So fuck those people who said. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, no one can truly say what one hundred percent certainly happened to Elisa Lamb, and her death continues to chill and perplex people to this day. But nowadays, the Cecil, aka the Stay, uh, is currently known as the Stay on Main, though the curse seems to still live on. As in this past, like as soon as this past June. Uh, a 28-year-old man had been found dead outside from a, an apparent fall. The new owners seem to have hope nonetheless, though, still striving to reinvent the establishment's image into something respectable. There have been efforts made to turn 384, which is a weird specific number, uh, of the rooms going unused into housing for the homeless, which I think is pretty commendable. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. that's a good recipe to make get yourself some more sad stories. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. They're but it also gives people a roof over their heads. So. That's, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they're going on a bad thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're going to have some more sad stories, certainly. Yeah. It comes are, with the territory. I guess that, are that many of the rooms are unused because they just don't get business. Yeah. I, I Probably. So. That's wild. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's, like that's, half, a lot. that's more than half of the rooms in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There have been like pushbacks from the businesses around, though. So I don't know how far they're getting yep. with that plan. That sounds about right. Uh, but as of now, the Stay on Main has recently relaunched business after a two-year-long remodeling endeavor, currently maintaining a tentative three-star rating on Yelp. <laughs> Three out of five is hey, not as bad right. as I thought. Bad, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to stay... Oh, I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I know, its doors are once again open for you to experience a subpar free breakfast, permanently sealed windows. Oh. oh. Okay. And whatever dark curses you can catch from a shared hostile toilet seat. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How's the water? They can clean that shit up. Hopefully that? clear. If it's not, 
I'm going to drink it anyway. <laughs> you got to sniff it. Taste I distinctly it. remember like watching a video of, I think there was like an English couple staying there at the time and they like showed the water coming out of the sink mm-hmm. and it was, it was like black yeah. they, like into a glass and they were like, like we saw it and it looked weird. And I think the guy had drank some and they <laughs> were like, what? yeah. Why? How? How? First of all, <laughs> this is why you don't drink tap water. If I saw water like that, I'm not brushing my fucking teeth for days. Right? Mm -hmm. You kidding me? I'm not. (laughs) Go down. I'm gonna drink that shit. Yeah. The fuck? Like I wouldn't wash my hands. Yeah, I wouldn't wash my hands. Touch that. that. I wonder if they still charged people. They probably did, and that's shitty. I'm hoping that a lot of people demanded their rooms comped and were given that. I drank dead people. (laughs) (laughs) I drank dead people. Yeah. They probably got people calling them after they after that was found. I drank dead people. Hey, yeah. yeah, like I showered in that shit. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, yuckaroo. But yeah, that wraps up the history of Cecil Hotel. We did it. We, we learned did. a lot of stuff, and we're better people for it. Are we? I don't sure. know. You can give us suggestions for more episodes by emailing us at heebiejeebiespod at gmail or hit up uh, social media. There's Instagram. You want to read that? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram at heebiejeebies podcast. What is this note down <laughs> the bottom? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I won't read that. This is just for people or, that powered through this episode. Or on Twitter <laughs> at, at HBJB podcast. Great. So this is a little cookie that I found when um, researching Ram- uh, Ramirez when he stayed at the Cecil. We have a first-person account. Oh man! Being reenacted by our own Brie. Hold on, that looks like a YouTube comment. It is a comment on some site. It was on an article about Ramirez. What's her name? Tashia Benitez. Oh, that's a good name. Commented on an article about Richard Ramirez a year ago, as the time of this printing. Uh-huh verbatim richard ramirez was my neighbor at the cecil hotel unlike the crimes he committed he never once hurt me or my kids in the beginning we didn't know who he was we only knew him as our neighbor many times he tell my boys don't play the hall without their shoes even bought the ice cream once my little one said you look sad he cocked his head and said you do what your mama tells you to do after that i never saw him again then me and the boys were what in the news, look, mom, our neighbor, I, I about fell out my chair, but I most say he did have a hollow sadness in his eyes that I used to have all my life since I've been on the streets to let me know if they're troubled. Your eyes are the windows to your soul. I will never forget him. He wasn't always a bad person. <laughs> that was while he was killing people. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I well, I like how it says Richard Ramiers. <laughs> Richard Ramiers was my neighbor. Holy, at the, you're thinking at of the, a different person. At the Seal Cole Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little hard for me to understand, but now, now uh, the well, way it's, it's all it's very it's very confusing. It's in all caps, and I the really, punctuation okay, my, is not I, in the proper places. I, I think my favorite part of this is many times he tell my boys don't play the hall without their shoes. 
even bought the ice cream once. <laughs> <laughs> My little one said, you look sad. He cocked his head. He cocked his head. <laughs> Say, you listen, you, you do what you, your mama you told you. You do what your mama told Also, so your, your argument that he wasn't always a bad person was that he bought ice cream one time. And also, he looked sad. He looked sad. <laughs> he looked sad. He bought ice cream one time and he didn't kill me or my boys. So he wasn't always a bad person. He didn't kill my boys. He told them, don't get your, your go play in the hall without your shoes, dummies. They should have put Miss Benitez on character witness. They should just put her on the news, <laughs> interviewing her for when they caught him. Anyways, thanks thanks for that gem, Miss Benitez. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll about wrap it up. I'm glad she got here. off the street and got a computer. Yeah. Though. Maybe she, she might be got- at the library. But either way, she's well, got I'm glad, hope for people. Hey, well, I'm glad for local libraries. Yeah. yeah, local libraries are a wonderful thing. Yeah, go down and support your local library because they're a, a real good place. If you got any books that you're thinking about just throwing away, go take them to the library because they can use them. They can sell them and the money will go to the library or they can put them in the library and then other people can check them out and read them. Yeah. That's how books work at the library. The end. Goodbye. And that's really what we came here to say. And that's really the point of this podcast. That's the end of this reading podcast. At the end of every podcast that we have, I'm going to have a little bit of a PSA, but it's always going to be about the library. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Different benefits of the library. <laughs> yes. Chris's library minute. And now we have Chris's library minute. <laughs> Did you know at your local agreed. library, you can actually rent Blu-ray movies? No, I did not know that, Chris. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and it's free. Sometimes it costs money to rent the blu rays But it's for a good cause. And the money goes to your local library. All right. See you next week when we're talking about the history of Halloween fuckers. The history of Halloween fuckers. Goodbye. Doggone it. You need some duct tape? Chip, chip. I'm going to whip this boy into shape by completely just allowing him to do whatever he wants. Clip. Sorry, what? Clip. <laughs> Say clip? That's what it sounded like you said. Clip, clip. Oh, na- that was <laughs> screaming. That was, that was too I just wanted to check the levels. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Can you hear me? I, I don't. <clears throat> well, you got to talk into the mic. Chickity check, check. Yes. Clip, check. <laughs> it's gone. Guess what? Can can you hear this? Oh, it's an ASMR. Crack open. Crack that it up cold, cold boy. one. Yeah, it's fancy beer. What's what? It's fancy what, because what it's it's uh it's uh it's it's a collab it's with a, a man named Tech Nine, who you may remember as a rapper at one I don't. point. Yeah, I have no memory. Yeah. you and probably a lot of other people. Does it taste like Tech Nine? I hope not. Well, I've never met Tech Nine, so I couldn't tell you. Well, <laughs> does it taste like? Good. Does it taste like Tech Nine sounds? Yes. No. 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 Much better. <laughs> this journalist was in Los Angeles at the time for a five-week stay to write an article on American perceptions of <laughs> Zev. Very Zev, rude. We're recording. I'm on the phone, Zev. <laughs> 
He keeps looking behind that TV and me. Oh my god, what if there's a ghost behind the TV? Come here. People were saying that she had suffered a breakdown, um, but p- other people. Oh Ooh. shit, Whoa. that scared me. What was that? Me too. Sorry. Fuck. What, what was, was that? That scared it was just me too. Something that, that was popped my up on alarm. Computer. <laughs> my computer. I was so. It was so <laughs> loud and sudden. While we're talking about spooky stuff. I genuinely stuff. like jumped like. Me too. <laughs> that scared me. I felt me. like tingly in my fingers. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> was that an entity? Did it say get out? Oh shit. We gotta go.